0: I may have asked you this in a previous episode, but uh, need a cigarette, Noel? <laughs> um, why do you ask that? Do you think uh, I might have finished by watching this movie? Well, I mean, as my wokest friend and a guy who is extremely against classism, I have to assume this movie was positively orgasmic for you. <laughs> I don't know that it made me aroused as much as it did make me uh, thoughtful. This was... Uh One that I wasn't expecting this to be the plot of this movie, to be honest. What were you expecting? I don't know. I thought Roddy Roddy Piper was going to be running around just kicking ass or something. After watching, uh, what was the other movie we watched with him? Hell Comes to Frogtown? Yes, after watching Hell Comes to Frogtown, I just expected that he had super semen in every movie that we watched (laughs) with him. I mean, he's very virile in this also, but uh, it's not quite the same, I guess. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And today we are discussing They Live, the much beloved John Carpenter movie starring, as we mentioned, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. And the whole reason we're watching this is you revealed when we did Hell Comes to Frogtown last season that you had never seen this movie. No, no, this is definitely my first time. I mean, it came out in 88, so I would have been like six years old or something like that, six or seven. But again, dude, video, come on. I know, but I didn't spend that much time going through the old movies in the video store. I was a guy who would go to that new release wall and pull whatever Mission Impossible we were on at the time. You've seen Can't Hardly Wait a hundred fucking times. You've never seen They Live Once. (laughs) Well, those were all in theater. Well, fair enough. Uh, Either way, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. I, myself, have seen it many times. So we'll see kind of where we land here with our uh, bad and enjoyable meter. But that will come later, of course. Before we do that, let's talk about the beer that we are going to be pairing with the movie today. What do we got today, Noel? So we got a perfect beer here for the podcast. It's called the Rowdy Piper. Oh, there we go. I don't think you can get sort of a better connection. Wasn't Roddy Piper's nickname, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper? Absolutely. Yeah, so, like, that's a lock. Um, we got a picture here of a Scotsman blowing into his big bag and squeezing it to make some awesome sounds. This is by the South River Brewing Company. Uh, it says Brewed in the North. Uh, this is at a South River, Ontario, near... Wait, a vi- sorry, sorry, it's Brewed in the North, but they're out of South River? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of an oxymoron in that, I guess. They're uh, they're in, I guess, I would almost call the middle Ontario or the near north there, near Algonquin Park, which is uh, a really awesome camping, kayaking, kind of backpacking place. You kind of get the sense that this brewery is all about that kind of lifestyle. Uh, they have a guy canoeing in there um, in their logo here on the can too. So pretty cool. We ordered this or we attempted to order this quite a while back and we placed a large order from them and forgot to include this beer. So I've actually placed two. Orders. <laughs> the whole reason we were placing the order, we fucked it up. We're not exactly uh, rocket scientists over here, you know? I mean, we were probably placing the order after a podcast where we had enjoyed several other beers. So sometimes those kind of things just happen and we had to place two orders from South river. So we've enjoyed a lot of their stuff. Uh, a light paddle brown ale is one that sort of stood out to me. It was in a very slim can. It was like a really good crusher. Was that the breakfast one? They had a breakfast beer. I think they like a breakfast porter or something. That was fucking terrific. Yeah, they have some some good offerings for sure. So I'm excited to, to drink this one. I did buy a few of them on that second purchase just to make sure we had enough. So I have had a couple of these and enjoyed them. So we'll see if you like it. It is a session IPA, so you're going to oh. get hit with a little more hops than you uh, usually like. But it's session, so it's not going to be over the top for you. I thought this was going to be like a Scottish ale or something because you know the bagpiper, <laughs> but I guess not, eh? No, no, I guess not. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, Let's crack it open. Yeah, you're due for this. We've had not too many IPAs recently, and I know that's been kind of a sore spot for you, so I'm glad we're getting one in here. (laughs) I love all beer. I'm fine with whatever we got. Don't worry, uh, but I will definitely enjoy this one. Let's crack it open. After the Universal logo, we fade in on a heavily graffitied wall as the sound of freight trains in the background herald the arrival of the one and only Rowdy Rowdy Piper, playing the role of George Nada, apparently. We do not actually learn the character's name, but that's what it says in the credits. A man who is apparently living the life of a common hobo, maybe more like an upscale hobo, actually. He's got a backpack and bedroll with him instead of a bandana tied to a stick. And we can infer that he made his way into town by stowing away on one of those trains. (laughs) Yeah. So we're getting a quick introduction to our lead character here. I would describe him as a drifter. Someone heading from town to town trying to find work, do sort of like an honest day's living, trying to just work hard to make some money and survive here. Uh, We get some kind of cool bluesy songs and intro. Turns out, and I didn't realize this until watching the credits, that John Carpenter also did a bunch of composing, and he did a lot of the music for this, so I was really interested to see that. Yeah, man, the soundtrack is usually a key component of any Carpenter movie, and he did, in fact, do the soundtrack to many of uh, his most famous films. So, as you mentioned, we learned that he is kind of uh, moving from town to town across the country looking for work. It's almost like a modern-day Grapes of Wrath, and we can also infer from that that the main villain of this movie is going to be capitalism. Horrible, horrible capitalism. <laughs> I'm not sure if we're we're there yet. Um, I haven't gotten there, but we're going to find out really soon that uh, it is the fault of the greedy, um, sort of rich individuals who are sort of setting this up. It also turns out this is based on a short story, um, 8 o'clock in the morning it's called. Um, the author's last name, I think, is Nelson. You can find it online. It's pretty cool. After uh, watching the movie, I immediately went and read it. I'm sure that did not surprise you. <laughs> not even a little bit. You forwarded it to me, too. like, what the fuck is this? Then only afterwards did I realize it was the short story it was based on. Yeah, this is just hard times all around. And as he quickly finds out when he goes to an employment office, there's no work available, or so says the old lady who could not give less of a shit about him. <laughs> and as he makes his way through the city contemplating his next move, he happens upon a preacher on the street who offers a very foreboding message about how people's lives are being controlled. Outside the limit of our sight, feeding office us, perched on top of us, from birth to death, are our owners. Our owners! They have us! They control us! They are our masters! Wake up! They're all about you! All around you! And as the cops arrive to break this sermon up, it is very clear that John Carpenter is just putting all his cards in the table here, early and often. <laughs> he's making it clear. Um, at this point, you're sort of wondering if he's just talking about a like bourgeoisie or an upper class, right? Like, is he talking about, are we getting into some kind of comparison or Marxism here, who are the class of people who are managing? That's kind of what I'm assuming. The job office scene really sets the tone too. This is during the 80s. It's supposed to depict the 80s, I feel like. I mean, I guess there was a a big recession and it was a slowdown and life was hard for people at that time. Oh God, definitely. Yeah, this is when like there's budget problems. A lot of industry has left America. Yeah, this is again, hard times, especially for what you might call unskilled laborers, like the uh, Piper man here? Yeah, the average common person or the working person would definitely be struggling at this time. I'm like, this is pretty exciting. We're going to get a commentary here on celebrity and fame and success. Oh, this is like catnip for you, seriously. We uh, we get more subtle versions of this message as Nada tries to find a place to sleep for the night, settling on an alley with a view of someone's TV and your standard fire in a barrel. The next day he tries his luck at a construction site where his pleasant demeanor and knowledge of union roles allows him to catch at least one day's work and lets the audience catch some shots of a topless, rowdy, rowdy piper. little eye candy for the ladies here? What do you think? (laughs) It was interesting getting that cut from um, him negotiating, being kind of smooth here, talking, and clearly he knows his way around a job site, uh, to being digging in just like topless glory he's got quite the build going on i mean most professional wrestlers are well built and he's definitely showing it off here absolutely uh now it's clear that his luck has changed as he not only makes a friend here on the construction site that's frank played by keith david but that same friend also points him in the direction of some kind of deluxe hobo village. This is far more than your standard encampment. They've got a working shower and serve hot meals, and it seems like they've really built a little community here. Yeah, I think it is more of a community. Um, I mean, it is definitely temporary. They're they're not in permanent shelter, uh, but they're across from a church here. We find out, or they they're across from a church, and I think the people from that church are trying to help sustain these people who are down on their luck. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening here for sure. That night, Nada and Frank bond over mutual hard luck stories. Frank's a little more jaded, having not seen his wife and kids in over six months, but Nada is convinced he can still carve out a stable life for himself. I deliver a hard day's work for the money. I just want the chance. It'll come. I believe in America. I follow the rules. Everybody's got their own hard times these days spoken like someone who doesn't know that aliens are controlling the world am i right (laughs) Uh, i just more took it as uh frank was angrier because he hadn't had sex with his wife in six months where maybe on the hobo trails there was some kind of action at least for our uh (laughs) (laughs) if he's on the hobo trail he's probably the one giving the (laughs) what's the old hitchhiking (laughs) thing ass gas or grass like you know yeah anyway (laughs) (laughs) so we have him say this like super patriotic thing about america and is he ever going to be proven wrong really soon he does show off some sweet harmonica playing skills though and then we get to a little bit of nighttime life in the encampment here Yeah, and this is where we get our first suggestion that something is amiss. When a hacker manages to disrupt a television broadcast in the camp to warn everyone that they are being kept subordinate by some kind of greater power. Distracted, sedated, in other words, asleep? Yes. Uh, They called something about the annihilation of consciousness is what they described it as. So that's sort of what people are being controlled under. At least that's what the hacker, when they broke through on the TV signal, said. I thought it was interesting they chose the word hacker to describe it because I always thought it was connected to like the computer and not television yeah I had the exact same thought but I guess if you're hacking into something you are essentially just interrupting it and that is what he's doing now I mentioned how everyone here is asleep but you know who's not asleep rowdy rowdy piper who spends the rest of his night walking around getting the lay of the land and in doing so spots something suspicious that same preacher from earlier is there having a fairly animated conversation with the guy who runs the camp The two of them sneak off inside the church next door, and we're just going to have to sit and wonder what exactly is happening here. But not for long, as in our next scene, we see Nada sneaking into the church after another hacker disruption, only to basically find out that that's where the hacker is broadcasting from. So that was fast. (laughs) The resolution here was pretty quick. Um, We go from being kind of curious about what's going on to finding out very quickly that the people at the church and the guy running the encampment and that preacher all believe that there is some power or some force that is controlling everyone and they're even describing themselves as cattle here which is interesting when he went into the church i was wondering whether he was going to be able to save everyone with his super seed again this is where it was popping in i was like <laughs> i mean the rebels are going to need soldiers right so i guess you know <laughs> you can't fight it i think maybe that's a rider in all of his contracts he just has to uh, have all of the children <laughs> the highest sperm count in the movie must be his character yeah, yeah i'd write um. that <laughs> Well, his curiosity is peaked now, so he spends the next 12 to 16 hours sitting and watching the church with binoculars. Dude is in one spot for literally a day and a half here. Also watching the church, a pesky police helicopter whose presence causes everyone to scatter out of there mere seconds before a whole lot of cops show up. I'm talking uniform officers, SWAT, they even bring a fucking bulldozer in to destroy the camp. And you mentioned earlier allusions to, like, Marxism. I got real SS vibes here, especially when they start viciously beating the blind preacher and that old guy from the TV. Yeah, definitely looking at sort of a fascist controlling uh, situation here with the the police force. Definitely trying to put down these people who are sending out a message that maybe there is a controlling class here. Um, what did it say inside the church when he broke in there? I just thought I would bring it up. Oh, fuck. I don't remember now. It was something about um, we sleep. I don't remember now. It said they live, we sleep when I I just thought they're throwing to the title, right? I just thought it was good. You always like it when someone brings up the title in a movie. It's not the same here because they don't say it, but I think they were throwing homage to it. Maybe that's why it didn't stick with me. Um, Roddy Piper springs into action here, grabbing some kid and getting him away from the cops by breaking into a nearby house. They hide out until the heat dies down. The next morning, Nada surveys the wreckage left behind where the camp once stood. We quickly see that inside of the church has also been torn apart, but the secret compartment the Piper found earlier remains untouched. He breaks in, grabs a box of the sunglasses they are manufacturing, and finally tries to pair on after heading back into the city. And this is where the movie really picks up. <laughs> um, I like that it went black and white. I like that it grayed out the world a little bit. These glasses somehow take out the color, kind of hide, and then almost all signs and other things they're seeing have a hidden message behind them. And I quite like to, they say things like purchase, buy, 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 right? All of those things that are promoting capitalism. Yeah, I think Procreate was one of them too. I think there was like, you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it was called Marry and Reproduce. Yeah, that's what it was for sure. No independent the, uh, thought, Uh, buy, consume, watch TV, stay asleep, submit. There you go. And of course, the most famous one is Obey, right? That's the most famous one from this. The the sunglass effect here is just delightfully low budget. It's literally just black and white shots, like you said, of what we're already seeing, but with those hidden messages revealed. But uh, once he spots a member of the ruling class buying a magazine, we get an incredible look at the makeup effects that we're going to be getting a whole lot more of as we go through this one. And that was fucking hilarious. (laughs) It was interesting. The first time I saw it, I wondered if the people who had a hidden identity, or I guess they're aliens we find out shortly um were robots they almost look robotic to me in their makeup it almost looked like their eyes were metallic and had wires and then their face oh the eyes are yeah the eyes are the biggest problem with this they're basically fucking stationary like uh half a ping pong ball spray painted gold (laughs) so you didn't love this effect i mean it's iconic (laughs) and like I, i i appreciate it for its relevance in pop culture but it's not a great effect come on See, I, I thought it was actually pretty good. I like the um effect of showing that it was someone else, and it did seem simple, Uh, but the black and white, I think, makes up for a lot of the, like, faults in it, right? The fact that they decolorized it makes it seem a lot more realistic than if it had been in color, I think. We do see him in color later on, though, so I don't know. Does it still hold up when we see them later on? I think so. I don't know. I, I, I didn't dislike the makeup choice. I thought it was fairly effective. All right, fair enough. Now, he actually handles seeing these creatures pretty well. The character, I mean. Piper's acting is extremely wooden here. Although he does start melting down a bit when a lady bumps into him in a grocery store. Excuse me. Just survive. You know, you look succeed. like your head fell in the cheese dip back in 1957. You, you're okay. This one, real fucking ugly. Now, his acting does not get any better as this scene goes along. Although the casting department tries to help him out by putting an even worse actor in the cashier role, this guy was awful. (laughs) The acting's not super strong here, um, but I'm finding that I'm pulled through the bad acting with kind of the drama of him discovering that these things are here, and then them quickly identifying him as someone who can see them. I think... Uh, They all have these wristband watches on that can send a message and they all very quickly sort of send out a message and we know that he's going to be in trouble here. We're going to get a bit of an escape scene oh yeah they call this in right away on their watches like you said and the cops show up they're of course aliens as well and Piper has to take them down which he does after getting one's gun away from him before you know it he's raided their squad car for a bigger gun and a bunch of ammo and he strolls into the bank across the street to deliver the line that everyone knows from this movie I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum And from there, we jump into a ridiculous shootout. So that line is amazing. I had heard it, obviously, well, not obviously, I had heard it before and had no idea that it came from this movie. So it's something that I guess, um, pop culture wise, this thing had transitioned beyond this pretty far. It is interesting that he chooses when he's trying to escape to go into a bank and start a shootout. I question (laughs) that move. He starts firing off at people. He's not killing the humans, but he's killing all of the aliens that he can find and see. Um, But one of them he goes to shoot, and then somehow they disappear. Yeah, I guess in addition to communication, these watches also allow the aliens to like teleport or something. Um, They also, as we see when he sneaks at the back when the cops arrive, have these like surveillance drones flying around that really show off all the incredible potential of 1988 FX. Yeah, this is pretty bad. The drone so, itself. they so bad. <laughs> The drone's really bad. It, it reminds me of some bad effects out of like a 1970s sci-fi show. It's like Mars Attacks, man. It's like the Mars Attacks ships. Yeah. He blows one up, though, and sort of tries to run away. He's having trouble kind of escaping until he decides to carjack somebody. Yeah, I was just thinking, actually, when I was watching this, we're about halfway through the movie at this point, and I felt like something was missing. And that would be the love interest, who we meet after he has to essentially carjack her, like you said, to get out of there. Her name is Holly, and she's played by Meg Foster, who, if this isn't her most memorable role, it has to be Evelyn from Masters of the Universe, which I really, really hope we cover sometime. And I have to say, I feel like just by casting her, they kind of gave away the ending of this one, because this actress has a face that just looks evil. She does have a remarkably blue set of eyes, one that sort of, like, seems not like it should be real she almost looks like she has fake colored eyes yeah and it does make her suspicious for sure she also had the 80s hair that makes every woman suspicious to me (laughs) stern face too yes oh yeah definitely she looks like she would spank you Well, she almost bangs fucking Piper in a minute. He tries to tell her about the whole aliens controlling the planet, tricking humans into subservience thing here, but she, of course, doesn't believe him. In fact, she waits until he's slightly distracted, then breaks a bottle of wine over his head and pushes him through a plate glass window. They're on the top floor, and her house is on a hill, so he falls two stories, then rolls down said hill, eventually coming to a stop on her concrete driveway, and he's basically fine. He is out there before the cops arrive. This was not super believable. No, and it happens really fast. They go from her like following along and agreeing to everything that he's said to out of nowhere smashing that bottle over his head and easily shoving him through a plate glass window. Um, I thought maybe she would try to call for help or something first, but no, she just throws him out there. She thought she killed him, and she probably would have in real life because he does, like you say, go for an insane tumble. But somehow <laughs> he's able to get up and escape from there, uh, and he's off. What he's upset about, though, is he's left his glasses behind. It's true. So he has to walk all the way back to the city to find another pair, which he does. Impressive, considering he should be paralyzed if not dead. But when he gets there, he swings by the construction site first to find Frank. Frank is like, get the fuck away from me. So he just keeps staggering around town while everyone is looking for him. His picture's on a wall of TVs that he literally walks past. This isn't a full Nick Cage escaping the FBI and National Treasure 2 level of ridiculousness, but it's fucking close. (laughs) it is true and the fact that there should be robotic drones out there or helicopters finding him pretty quickly it's funny how much he escapes here i mean maybe in the 80s it's a little easier to blend in but someone should have pointed him out the interesting thing was he went to frank without those glasses so how would he know that frank wasn't one of those people i guess he uh kind of got caught up in that raid too or ran away maybe he assumes that they only have wealth or they can only be wealthy. I mean, that's a great point. Maybe, yeah, maybe he just wanted to like have a place to lay low and kind of heal for a bit before he went and got the sunglasses again, but I don't know, that's a good question. He does go retrieve that box of sunglasses now in what is basically a straight padding scene, and he finally convinces Frank to put them on and see the truth. Uh, this does take some convincing, though. Try these on. Look, you crazy mother. Put these on. Hey, stay away from me. I'm telling you, you dumb son of a bitch. He calls him a crazy mother. In fact, Piper basically has to kick Frank's ass to get him to wear the glasses, which he does after an extremely long, dirty fight. This fight is hilarious and super long it feels like a wrestling match right there's so many one of them is winning knocking the other down we think somebody's out and then at the last second they get back up they kick the living shit out of each other yeah man there's so many times that uh piper gets kneed in the dick just over and over (laughs) and it's pretty awesome um I'm kind of shocked at how long it goes. Like, (laughs) I have a whole page of notes because it just wouldn't end. It's like six minutes long, man. And let's not forget, he just fell out of a second story window and rolled down a hill. So I don't know how he's doing this. Uh, they are in especially rough shape once this is done, and they decide to heal up in a flea bag hotel. This is Piper's chance to unleash the full range of his acting potential. First, he fires up an anger when Frank starts questioning what they're going to do. Then later, he snaps off a somber monologue about his troubled childhood. Did either of these convince you that he should have done more film work or... <laughs> um, no, actually, I had a point in here where I was like... In my notes, I said his acting's been okay, but this scene, this story, the daddy story, is real rough. Like, this ends it for me. He's been able to kind of convince me he is an effective, like... I don't know, working man or hobo so far, but he is not pulling off this dramatic hero. You forgot to mention that this fight gets capped off with him pinning his friend Frank and putting those glasses on him. It wasn't until after the three count that he slides them over his face, which I thought was funny. (laughs) He doesn't count three, but like you said, I definitely saw some wrestling moves in here for sure, so it's a very Rowdy Rowdy Piper-esque fight. Um, Frank gets a visit from Gilbert in the lobby. That's the guy who was running the camp from the beginning of this movie. And he says that the rebels are going to try to give the world a wake-up call and tells them to be at a meeting tonight. That's where we head next. As a glasses wearer, you'll be happy to know they finally perfected a contact lens version of the sunglasses that let you see the aliens. And as a communist, you'll be happy to know the anti-capitalist sentiment is running strong. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have a rightful rebellion building here trying to get back the freedom um, that people all people rightfully deserve it's clear that these aliens and their capitalist agenda are taking over the world and making life not great for the average person i would like to get my hands on a pair of those glasses or contacts at this point so you admit that you're a communist no no i didn't say that i was a communist do i feel like (laughs) capitalism has gone awry absolutely all right Uh, That whole wake-up call idea? Sounds good on paper, but the rebel group still hasn't been able to figure out where the alien signal is coming from. One guy who works at a TV station thinks he may know, but a very special someone that you'd never guess would be at the meeting says, no way, their signal's clean. KRDA is clear. The transmission is going out clean. The signal's coming from somewhere else. (laughs) It's Holly, of course, and she reconnects with Nada right before the cops show up and wipe out everyone at the meeting except our main characters. What are the chances? Yeah, something's not right here. How come she's there and knows what's going down? The way that the cops storm this place is Fucking hilarious. An entire wall explodes and they just come pouring in. We know that there are cops that are both aliens and not aliens. They kind of all work on the same side, though. The ones who are not aliens have been convinced that uh, these people are terrorists and they're up to no good. Everyone starts getting mowed down. Like, everyone starts getting taken out here. We are losing, like, all of these rebel people. And you're kind of wondering whether Frank and Roddy are next up here. Are they going to get taken out? Well, they almost do. They're cornered in an alley. But Frank starts fiddling with one of the alien communicator watches the rebels manage to get their hands on. And whatever he does causes a malfunction that opens a temporary gateway. Now, with no other options, they both jump through it, and they end up in what appears to be some kind of weird combination bunker-slash-banquet hall, but I think it's actually the TV station? (laughs) I think it's underground uh, tunnels, so they end up in this tunnel, and apparently these tunnels kind of move throughout the city. We didn't know about them, but they've been there the whole time, and I guess this is how the aliens move to different places. You're right, though. They do end up in this banquet hall. And it looks like what we have are the aliens with the sort of top humans who are working with them and their capitalist machine is working. These are like the big economic players here. Yeah, this is where they and we find out that there are humans on Earth who are not only sympathetic to the alien invasion, but are actively assisting in it, which to me feels like another allusion to World War II. Yeah, I do think that there are some connections here. They even speak about it being a World War Three. So I think they are trying to make those connections in their depiction here for sure. They're, they're trying to show that there are sympathizers or who are people who are willing to um, sort of give up their morals to financially benefit from that. And We know that to be true in real life as well, right? Well, yeah, and we get a great example here in a minute. When a familiar face and voice shows up, it's one of the guys from the camp earlier, and he leads them on a tour of the facility that includes areas that there's no way he would possibly have access to. Like this dude just got recruited, and he's human, as if the aliens are going to let him walk around wherever he wants. Also, how has no one there recognized Rowdy Roddy Piper yet? He's literally the most wanted man on earth. Yeah, it's funny. It's almost as if um, because they're in that basement, because he was able to get down there with the communicator watch, they just have the assumption that anyone down there is on their side, human or alien alike. So it's weird. You're Like you said, they have strange access to stuff that you would never think that they would get access to. Uh, they they do go to this sort of fancy meeting, and then they also start going to see, like, the teleportation place where they head back to their own planet and some oh, of the other fuck, kind of... Oh, fuck, dude. That scene was incredible. <laughs> yeah, so that one was kind of special. It was a bit of, like, a Star Wars-y homage almost where someone gets, like... Or maybe more Star Trek. They they stand on a pad and get teleported through the sky as, a like, a beam of light definitely they also get to see the area where the signal is being broadcast and literally a news studio where fake news reports are being put out by two alien news anchors now nada and frank know they're never going to be this close to the signal again so they quickly kill a couple of guards who ask for their access cards then turn their gun on the human traitor he tries one last time to convince them to switch sides you still don't get it do you boys there ain't no countries anymore. No more good guys. They're running the whole show. They own everything. The whole goddamn planet. They can do whatever they want. What's wrong with having it good for a change? Now, they're going to let us have a good if we just help them. They're going to leave us alone. Let us make some money. You can have a little taste of that good life, too. Now, I know you want it. Hell, everybody does. Admit it. You'd be a little tempted, wouldn't you? <laughs> I'd be a little tempted? I don't know. Um, I think not. I think not. I'm on Roddy's team. I think this is something that's happening currently. We don't want to get too geopolitical on this, uh, this show because it's supposed to be a comedy podcast, but definitely capitalist economic class is superior to countries at this point, and they're running the show. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> this is right up your alley. Oh, absolutely. I am all in on the narrative of both this short story and this movie. I, I believe we need to talk about this way more than we do, and I think any opportunity to to do that is great. I'm, I'm super excited here. Oh, my gosh. Well, the jig is up now, and after this guy teleports away, Nada and Frank try to stealth their way up to where the signal is being broadcast while avoiding killing the human employees and also looking for Holly. They eventually find her randomly wandering a hallway, and Nada is convinced he saved her life. But what he's actually done is end Frank's life as Holly pulls out a gun and shoots him right in the head. Turns out she's one of those human sympathizers. And this would probably feel like more of a betrayal if she hadn't only been in like five minutes of this movie. Yeah, this was interesting to me. I should have seen it coming earlier, but I didn't really connect her evilness as much as you had suggested earlier. I agree that both her face and eyes and her actions... Uh, by shoving him out that window and by being at that meeting, sort of should have given something away. But I was a little surprised when she took out Frank here. I was kind of thinking that maybe she had changed and was on his team, but clearly not. Um, they head up to the roof together, and he is looking to take out this signal. He wants to get rid of it so everyone kind of really knows what the aliens are, but she's trying to convince him that that's not the right call. Don't do it. Don't interfere, you can't win. Drop your weapon. And wait for the dish, or we will open fire. Come inside with me. We have 10 seconds. He takes this really hard, which again, to me, is so surprising, because like... At this point, we haven't had a chance to get invested in her. And I have no idea why he's invested in her either. Like they've literally spent a tiny amount of time together. I feel like we talk about this all the time, but this might be the most egregious case of like, why is he so into her and betrayed when she turns on him? He barely knows her. They've spent maybe an hour and a half or less of actual time together. Yeah, you're right. There hasn't been that much time. I actually didn't take it as um, him being upset about her betrayal. I thought he was more just upset that he got Frank killed. I felt like he was, like, blaming himself for putting Frank in that position and having Frank go down. Um, But I think there was something to it. He was definitely into her, or he wouldn't have saved her in that way. Well, dude, and think about how frantic he is when he's trying to find her and make sure she's okay. I'm like, I don't know, man. I know she's like a lady you know, but this depth of emotion is really strange. Uh, He still shoots her, though, and even manages to destroy the dish before he's gunned down by a helicopter. For some reason, even though the helicopter is beside him, when he gets shot, he falls straight back. And what's even funnier is it's exactly the same way that Holly falls back when she gets shot. It happens like 30 seconds later. Carpenter must have really liked that shot for some reason. (laughs) The camera was just in the perfect spot, so the angle was great each time it happened, right? I don't know. They had the, the crash mat set up so that they were falling perfectly into that spot, and it was going down. I did like that he got taken out at the end, though. We didn't really get a happy ending. Well, someone kind of gets a happy ending here in a second, but uh, not the one that they expected. (laughs) Yeah, man, capitalism always wins, Noel. Don't fight capitalism. That's what we've learned from this movie. Well, I don't know that that's true. I think that the aliens get exposed here at the end, and I think that the people are going to rise up. No, you're right, Noel. Capitalism loses. That's why uh, we all live in the USSR right now. (laughs) Uh, there's Why is there an argument for the USSR? Well, I'm just saying, you're talking like, I think capitalism can lose. Well, it fucking didn't lose the Cold War, did it? We probably shouldn't be talking about that. No, this isn't the conversation we want here. And it's not a nuanced one enough or a nuanced opinion enough to make it valid. So it's okay. Oh, stop it. Well, yeah, as you indicated, with the satellite destroyed, the alien signal is disrupted and humans everywhere can suddenly see the creatures in their midst, including some naked lady who was riding what she thought was a human conversation. Hey, what's wrong, baby? And that's how we end the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I do think it's amazing that we end with the first shot of nudity in this entire film. A topless woman riding hard on some guy. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, it transitions into an alien getting boned and... He gets off, but she very quickly uh, loses her lust for this kind of interaction. God, man, this is a very Carpenter touch, this kind of, like, comedic thing. Although, to put it as the very last line of the movie, to me, is, like, hilarious and really kind of came out of nowhere. Nice note to end on, I think. I thought it was really funny. I like the note, too. He he wasn't going to let us go out uh, in full dramatic style with our dead Piper on the roof. He had to go out with the aliens being exposed all over. This is where I think the message, though, is that people will rise up and sort of overcome this alien capitalist race because they know they're there now and we're not going to stand for it i mean yeah they've been woken up so it's certainly possible and uh we're in the credits there's a little more of that kind of 80s riffic uh score there in the background yeah man like i've seen this several times this is your first viewing uh do you want to tell us what you thought now or should we just go into the ratings Yeah, we can go straight into the ratings. We can talk about it together. All right, well, the way we always do this, we rate the movie on a scale of 1 to 10 two times. 1 to 10 for how bad it is, 1 to 10 for how enjoyable. And the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales, or what we call the... Crit Crit 20. 20. And uh, for me, I am not nearly as anti-capitalist as you, but this is a good premise that is no less relevant now than it was in 1988. The alien effects, on the other hand... Those might be a little less relevant than they were in 88. Like, I know Carpenter works on a budget, but damn. <laughs> I think you there you have something with the alien effects here. Um, I'll get into... The, I think that it is probably more relevant now than it was in 88 in terms of the, the storyline or the concept, for sure. I think that we are at a place where the distribution of wealth is way more into a smaller percentage of people, and people would suggest that they are controlling most of the messaging and things that are happening. So I think it's interesting. (laughs) All right, man, you just keep standing on that soapbox. There are a few issues with the story. Like there's no way Nada wouldn't have been caught when everyone's looking for him, especially when he's in the control center. Like I said, I also don't know why he's so concerned with Holly and her well being. She is barely in this. And she also broke a bottle over his head and threw him out a fucking window. Maybe let that one go, dude, you know, Speaking of Rowdy Roddy Piper, this is unequivocally his best acting role, but he's still not great. Better than Hulk Hogan, like that much is clear after we watched No Holds Barred. (laughs) But could a Schwarzenegger or a Stallone have done a better job? You know, Chuck Norris, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I only have this as a seven bad, but if you have it higher, you'll get no argument from me. (laughs) Yeah. um, So this was my first time watching it. I obviously hadn't seen it before. I thought that there were some critiques you could definitely throw at it. There was some overacting for sure, um, especially the time when he was talking about his background and father. He just couldn't pull that off at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> him being a brooding kind of like hardworking homeless guy who believes in America, I could be sold on. Right, like that was something that was working for me. Um, I found at times it was a little bit slow. Uh, I think that was more just the style of the movies in the '80s. We've kind of grown used to. More action, although there were some good parts in there with the funny fight and the bank scene and some of the like escape chase stuff. I really, I'm gonna get into the things I enjoyed, but obviously the concept itself and then the music and the tone worked really well for me. Um, I thought the makeup at times were problems, but I actually quite liked the aliens. I liked the way that they were depicted, and I liked the color change glasses. I liked that it went gray, and then we also got all those subliminal messages. So. When I had this on a bad scale, for my first watch, and maybe this is the anti-capitalist in me, is I had this as a five. Oh, my gosh. I'm not even sure this is a bad movie. I think this is actually a decent movie. Uh, It's fairly neutral with my five ranking, but um, I don't even know if this belongs on our podcast. You know, I wondered if we get some pushback on that, but my defense for that is it stars Rowdy Roddy Piper. I mean, you name those other people, he looks like he deserves an Oscar compared to the Hulk Hogan performance from No Holds Barred. Like, <laughs> well, he yeah, is that that's... much better. He is that much better than Hogan was, right? And I mean, that's it doesn't take a lot. Anybody on the street is probably a better actor than Hogan. No, that's but, a very low bar to clear. But recently watching that and then watching this makes him look like a tremendous actor, which is hilarious. Um, I don't, I think it's better that it's uh, not that Piper wasn't popular at the time. I think it's better that it wasn't a known action star. I just feel like it, it pulls off the everyman better. Ah. I feel like it'd be hard for one of those people to do it. I felt like Piper actually did okay as that. I mean, it probably would have been better to have someone who was a talented actor, but wasn't known like well known to be in that role too i think that probably would have made it better and might have sold a little more but i don't know that they also wanted it to be incredibly dramatic like i think they liked him being slightly stoic and allowing the sort of aliens and the other things to sort of push the mood wow i mean that's a pretty generous rating for this i think that's and again you can make the argument for sure i think a lot of people would agree with you but how enjoyable did you have this on a scale of one to ten uh i really liked it I don't think that's a surprise to you. You opened our podcast suggesting that I had an erection for most of the viewing. <laughs> I really like the concept. Um, <laughs> I I wouldn't say that I am anti-capitalist. Like I enjoy living in a democracy with choice and in capitalism, but I do feel like it's being controlled by corporations. I would say I'm anti-corporation, mm. and I think that. The aliens in this movie stand or are in place of corporations in our current world, and some very large corporations sort of control way too much of our political and economic scenes, which make it difficult, and I think we need to wake up from some of that. But So the concept itself is a slam dunk for me. I didn't hate the acting. I felt Frank was quite good. What was the actor's name? Keith David. He's in a couple of Carpenter movies, and he is a good actor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job. Um, I I liked the um, makeup. I liked the music and sound. I thought that fight was hilarious. I laughed my ass off at it. (laughs) Yeah. Some of the shotgun and shooting action was really good, and the ending popped me. I thought it was hilarious that they ended on that weird, like, we see everyone, but then funny, sexy. Yeah, me too. I had this as a nine enjoyable. There you go. All right. Uh, well, for me, I mean, I love John Carpenter. He is absolutely one of my five favorite directors of all time. This is one of his most beloved films, like I said, and I think deservedly so. Relevant premise, decent action. There's a couple of those Carpenter flourishes in there, you know, a little comedy Um, I should say I kind of shit on the alien makeup and effects earlier, but I do enjoy them. Like I said, this is an iconic thing. I had seen what they looked like before I ever saw the movie, so I knew what to expect. And let's be honest here. I enjoy a lot of cheesy effects, dialogue, and action, all of which this had. Uh, similarly, we already said how Piper's not great, but I still enjoy him. Uh, truthfully, there isn't a whole lot about this movie that I don't enjoy other than maybe Meg Foster. And the fact that there are a few slow points, like you said, Usually, it's the points where Piper's trying to act, the opening scenes, the hotel scene with Keith David after the big fight. It's minor, but it did stop me from giving this a 10. I also have this as a 9 enjoyable. Nice. So, I was just finishing my beer there, too. We're kind of right on the same track there for enjoyability. I would definitely watch it again. I think there's probably a lot of people from our generation who haven't seen it, and I would definitely be promoting this to them. Yeah, that's a shame. If you haven't seen They Live like Noel hadn't until fucking like uh, yesterday, you need to get on that. Yeah, definitely worth watching for sure. Uh, How about the beer, though? Well, uh, you know me. I'm not an IPA guy, but, and I hate that I'm saying this. I know you're just going to fucking have a field day. This is a real win for you today on every level. I really enjoy this. This is very easy to drink. It, to me, feels way more like a pale ale, and I like pale ales. Like This, to me, does not have the eye part, you know what I mean? But I'm sure it's in there. Uh, I guess it's the session that's making this so drinkable for me yeah i had like one sip and right away i was like oh fuck man i'm gonna enjoy this and nolan's gonna be all up my ass over it so um i'm just gonna sit back and let you have your moment but i did enjoy this uh very easy to drink this will now be the third or fourth south river beer that i've had and enjoyed so i would say they're worth checking out for sure if you can find their stuff if you're in the uh south part of the north i guess our whole country's the north right so you know what about you you, you liked it didn't you yeah oh yeah definitely easy to drink um session IPAs were sort of a great thing that popped up over the last few years to make enjoying hoppier beers but not having the same amount of alcohol content or excessive hops. It's it's more on a traditional uh, side. It's not cloudy. It's not super hopped or citrusy, which is why I think it's very palatable for yourself. Oh, yeah. If I see a cloudy fucking glass, unless it's like a sour smoothie, I'm just out. I'm out right away. And so for me, that's like I get an erection immediately when it gets cloudy like that. So it's sort of... Yeah, it. This beer in this movie just gonna be all the way there. <laughs> so so, no, I really enjoyed the beer. Uh, almost everything I've had from South River, we we drank a lot of it. I, I had the two orders, and I'd, I'd recommend checking them out for sure. I thought those slim can, easy-to-drink crushing ones were sweet, too. I thought that was a really good idea. Again, I think one of them was a breakfast beer, and that's just the right size for a little nip in the morning, you know? So Yeah, man. So, uh, like I said, a win all around for you today. And as if your hot streak couldn't get any hotter, next week we're going to be watching a beloved movie from your teenage years. Inexplicably, I don't understand how or why you came to enjoy this movie so much, but after <laughs> mentioning it frequently, we are going to be watching Tank Girl next week yes. <laughs> Ah! No one has ever been this excited for Tank Girl in the history of the world. Like, (laughs) Oh, don't do that to me. Tank Girl is amazing. I can't wait to watch it again and talk about it. I haven't watched it in a while, so I'm hopeful it lives up to my memories of it. I had some bad experiences when we watched a few other movies I remembered from my childhood, so I'm excited for this one, though. We should note, this is one of the rare movies where you own the DVD and I do not. So I think it's the only one. Well, I mean you own Let My Puppets Come and I don't own that one for a fucking bonus. <laughs> Only episode. because you bought it for That was a birthday me. present. You can't get mad at me for that. We arranged this ahead of time. So uh, yeah, man, Tank Girl, if there's any diehard Lori Petty fans out there, uh, next week is your week to enjoy. Before then, if you have not followed us on social media, you can do so on Instagram and Twitter at the BMB Podcast. Yeah, if you want to send messages and tell Cooper how wrong he is about, uh, I don't know, how awesome tank girls, you can save those, I guess, for that episode. Or how bad capitalism is. You want to jump back on that train? Yeah, feel free to send messages about that if you're interested. Uh, keep fighting the good fight. podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. But please, don't flood us with please don't discuss tank girl emails. It's too late. We've already committed... We're not going to back away now. Uh, Nolan's in his element, and we're going to let him have his time. So you got to throw me one or two bones here. I'm looking forward to watching this. And you know what? I think we're going to get so much support for it. You just have no idea. I would have no idea if that is, in fact, true. We hope you'll join us for that next week. Until then, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Down with capitalism. <laughs> I knew it. You think they're people just like you. You're wrong dead wrong.